0: This is the Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Ryan. Really appreciate reading the scripture, praying for us. One of the questions that you've likely asked in your lifetime, maybe more than once: Why can't I remember? Why do I forget so easily? Why do I forget so much? Psychological studies have found that approximately 56% of information is forgotten within an hour of hearing it. That does not bode well for right now. And in fact, up to 75% of information forgotten in under six days. Now, there's different theories about why we are able to remember some things and why we forget others. Why is it that I'm able to remember the specific plot details of a TV show or a movie so incredibly well that I can point out the tiniest continuity error, meanwhile forgetting the birthdays of close family members? I don't understand. That's just how it works. Uh, Some have theoried that new memories replace old memories and the brain only has so much capacity and it gets to kind of a, an overload level. Others have theorized that we're just living in a distracted and technological era and our brains are turning to pretty much mush. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Some universally agreed upon factors that contribute to our inability to remember, though, include significant alcohol consumption... Lack of sleep, depression, lack of exercise, side effects, of course, of certain medications that we may have to take, and excessive and chronic stress all contribute to memory loss. Bottom line, we are forgetful people. We struggle to remember. That's kind of some bad news, but, but there's good news because Jesus knows this about us. He knows that we tend to forget the small things, like where we parked, where our keys are, and the more important things, like the content of the gospel itself. And so he put a few things in place to help us, to help us to remember what's important. And communion, or the Lord's Supper, is one of those. It's a tangible, regular reminder of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. At the last supper, when he had his disciples around the table, he said, do this in remembrance of me. You're prone to forget. So do this so that you remember. God wants, God wants the church to remember his son. More than that, more than just wanting the church to remember his son, God calls the church to remember his Son. And since God calls us to remember his son, we must celebrate communion together. We must celebrate communion together. And so we're gonna walk through 1 Corinthians chapter 11, passage that was just read, and we're gonna look at four responses that believers in Jesus should have when they celebrate communion. This is not the exhaustive list of responses, but it is four that we're going to look at. But before we do that, I wanna take a moment and I want to review what communion is and what it is not. Sometimes we, we can, maybe we're new to church or we've never had things fully explained. It's like, why, what, what is going on? What exactly is the nature and the significance of what we're doing? So I want to explain what communion is. Communion is an ordinance given to the church by Jesus himself. You can read the institution of the Lord's Supper in the gospel accounts. Jesus has instituted this. He's given it to us. Communion is also a solemn and symbolic celebration. Solemn, because we're remembering his death. Symbolic, the bread and and the wine or the juice, they, they represent the body and the blood of Jesus. It's not his actual body, not his actual blood that we are consuming. They are symbolic elements that represent the body and blood of Jesus. Communion is meant to be a time of reflection And personal examination. We look back to the cross, but we also look within to our hearts. Am I living in a way that's bringing honor to the one who died for me? Communion is an invitation to participate in a historical practice central to our faith from the very beginning. Think about this. Christians have been celebrating communion in various ways for 2,000 years, and and what we are doing today is a part of that. For 2,000 years, people have been doing this. It's kind of cool when you think about that. And communion is a perpetual reminder of Christ's death, resurrection, and his return. Remember, repetition builds memory. This is why we repeat this regularly. A few things that communion is not, Communion is not just some Christian thing to do to try to earn merit or to try to earn approval before God. Well, I'll eat this and I'll drink this so then God will like me more or he'll accept me more or he'll forgive me more. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You've heard that before. You're going to hear it again because it's true. Communion is also not a magical ceremony that somehow cleanses me from sin. I came in here sinful, I took communion, and I leave here clean. It is through trusting in Jesus, in Jesus alone, that we are forgiven, that we are cleansed, that we are made new, and that we receive eternal life. And communion is not to be taken lightly or flippantly. There are stern warnings given in this passage, given to the church about those who do so, who disregard the body and the blood of Jesus. So now that we've covered that, let's move into these four responses that we should have when we celebrate communion. Communion. First of all, celebrating communion should humble us. It should humble us. Verse 23 and 25. This is the the most familiar passage that is most often read. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Communion should humble us because it reminds us that Jesus gave up his body and shed his blood for us, for us, so that we could be forgiven. We need to remember that sin is serious. It is so serious that the only way for us to be reconciled to a holy and righteous God would be for the perfect son of God to come and suffer and die in our place. Paul Tripp said, The cross of Jesus blows away any argument you may have with yourself as to whether your sin is really that bad. We need to realize, understand, grasp, remember the truth. Guess what? You're not that awesome. God is awesome. We're not. We're sinful. We're rebellious. We fall short. We fail. We've all turned away from God. All of us. So come back down to earth, remember the truth. You're just not as great as you think you are. We need to be reminded that your sin, my sin, contributed to the necessity of the cross. That seems pretty heavy, and it seems like more bad news on a beautiful, sunny morning. Well, part of gospeling ourselves is understanding the weight of the bad news. Before then, you can appreciate the good news, no matter who you are, no matter how much money you have or don't have, how popular you are, how successful you are, how good-looking you are, you need a Savior to forgive you. Every single one of us, we need God's mercy, we need God's grace, and communion reminds us of that. It also reminds us that through Christ, God extends mercy and grace, that he forgives the wicked, and he changes sinners into saints. He is the one who gives us mercy new hope. He's the one who gives us new identity. He's the one who gives us new purpose. And so when we partake of the bread and we partake of the cup, we should be humbled by the fact that Jesus died for us. Don Carson has said, when the gospel truly does its work, the title, proud Christian, becomes an unthinkable oxymoron. Proud Christian? We have no reason to be proud. We have no reason to be arrogant. We have no reason to both in anything except for Christ. We need to be humbled. The cross reminds us of that, and part of celebrating communion is remembering the cross. So communion should humble us, but communion should also comfort us. Celebrating communion should comfort us. Verse 26 For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim his death. We we declare as a body, as a family, his death until he comes. We should be comforted because even though he died, he rose again and he's coming back. His sacrifice was sufficient to pay for sin. He is alive. He has succeeded in making a way for us to be with God. That should comfort us. As we sang this morning, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, we are guilty, we are sinful, what should we do? Upward I look and I see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied, are you ready, to look on him. And pardon me. Come on. Because of Christ's work, we can be forgiven. And because of Christ's work, we have peace with God. And we can actually have the hope of spending eternity with God, all because of what Christ has done for us. And I love this little phrase where it says, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. More comfort. We are comforted by the truth that he's going to come back. He's not going to just leave us alone. He's going to come back. He's going to return. He's going to restore. He's going to make all things right. He's going to make all things new. He's going to wipe away every tear from every eye of those who belong to him. Victory is certain. Victory is coming, and so we can have comfort. Communion is this beautiful reminder that we actually, in Christ, Have strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Better days are coming. I was listening to a song last night. Uh, You know the song Glory Days, the old classic rock song? Glory Days. (laughs) But it's all about looking back. It's all about looking back. The glory days. Weren't, weren't, Weren't those the best times? No, the best times are coming. The glory days are future. It's amazing what is coming. And, you know, it, it, the, it's difficult because right now, let's just be honest, we're in, in confusing, tricky days. And maybe in the midst of the irritation, the frustration, and the disappointment, 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 and confusion, all of that abounds where we, maybe we struggle to find hope and comfort. Those seem to be elusive. But if you are a believer here this morning and you're looking for some hope, you're looking for some comfort for your soul, celebrate communion with your church family. And remember Jesus, because he's coming back. So communion should comfort us, and additionally, celebrating communion should unite us. It should unite us. Now, it's clear that the church in Corinth had some significant issues. You can read all of 1 Corinthians and all of 2 Corinthians. There's a lot of issues going on at that church in this time. We're going to look through some of these and just review some just in chapter 11 Back to verse 17 and 18, he says, I, I do not commend you with what's happening because when you come together, it's not for the better but for the worse. It's not good when you're celebrating the Lord's Supper because he says there's divisions among you. Divisions among you. Verse 20, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you're eating. For in eating, one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. And verse 22, all he can say is, What? The situation was so bad, I mean, they would typically have like a full meal. And so then some people were not waiting for the others to get there. By the time they get there, they don't have any. And the other people have had so much communion that they're drunk. So just remember, if you think our church is struggling, you think our church is a little messed up, we are. But look to 1 Corinthians and say, okay, we're, our, we're not that bad. If we come here on a Sunday morning and half of you guys are drunk because of communion, well, then we've got a big issue. Until that point, hopefully it never happens. We can, we can have some comfort. We're not that bad. Okay, but this, it's like there's divisions among you. You're not waiting for one another. Verse uh, 33, uh, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let them eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for Judgment, they weren't celebrating together in unity, and sometimes they weren't even selling, celebrating together at all. Divisions, arrogance, pride. I'm better than you. You can wait, or you can go without, for whatever reason. You're not part of our group. Communion is a tangible expression. It's a reminder of the gospel, which we all Need because guess what? I'm not better than you, and you're not better than me. The cross levels the playing field. We all need Jesus the same amount, and communion is meant to be a time to remember that and then to celebrate and to proclaim that together that we're all screwed up and we all need grace and we all need mercy and thanks be to God he has given that so let's celebrate let's rejoice and let's partake together let's be a family together but you see it's way easier to become divided and it's way easier to stay divided it's easy to find ways to create an us versus them mentality about all kinds of issues. And we've seen this throughout church history. Some of you maybe have lived through some of these. The, the worship wars, styles of music. You have drums on your stage, I'm out. Can the, can the preacher wear jeans? Yes. <laughs> what, whatever the issue is, there's been so many. And let's, let's, just, let's just be honest, okay? Presently, COVID is dividing people. It just is, okay? We know it. It's all around it. Let's just acknowledge it. Whether you're pro this or anti that, pro protest, anti protest, vaccine passports, whatever it is, you're either too cowardly or you're too reckless and too bold. You can't win. You can't win. Listen, relationships are being damaged and completely destroyed between co-workers, neighbors, friends, family members, spouses, because of this. And I'm not talking about just out there in the world. This is an issue of constant friction within our church. Communion is meant to bring us back to the core, to the center, what matters most, the Lord's Table gathering together around the Lord's table. We're supposed to be united as believers in Jesus, not just for unity's sake, but united around the gospel because that's of what's first importance. If you want to fight about something, fight to protect the gospel. Fight to know the gospel. You know, sometimes people have asked me, "What, what does it mean in First Corinthians to to take communion in an unworthy manner?" And it seems that, you know, this personal self-examination, that, that is part of it for sure, one, one way. But it seems by the context of 1 Corinthians 11 and this, the nature of the whole letter, that at least in part, celebrating in an unworthy manner is not addressing the divisions and the pride and the factions within the church. Not acknowledging sin, not confessing, not apologizing, not restoring not repenting, not forgiving, which led to God dishing out some significant discipline. He says, this is why some of you are sick and have died because there's so many issues in your church. Could you imagine that? You go home and you're sick and it's like, what happened? Well, I took communion and it's because there's divisions and I'm on this side at church and not that side. I hope that would never be the case. We have different opinions about all kinds of things and all kinds of viewpoints of all kinds of topics and issues, and we always will until Jesus comes back. But communion should be a reminder that we all need the same Savior and that we're all supposed to be seeking the kingdom of God first and that we're called to be locking arms on the same mission to be making disciples And that we're to worship the same God. And that because of God's incredible grace, we're all on the same team with one king, and his name is Jesus. We're to be united. It should unite us. And maybe, before you celebrate communion today, maybe you need to mend some broken bridges even here. Maybe you need to apologize. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness or extend forgiveness to somebody. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I'm not forcing anything. I just want to give you an opportunity to do that. We're going to do that. After the sermon is done, we are going to sing a song before we partake. During that song, maybe you need to go and talk to someone and say, I am sorry. I've been a jerk. Would you forgive me? Maybe. I'm not forcing you. I'm just giving you the opportunity. Communion should unite us. And the fourth response, as we celebrate communion, it should motivate us. Communion should motivate us. To to motivate us to what? Well, what we just talked about should motivate us to to unity, pursuing unity. But also, there's more. Verse 28 of chapter 11 says, Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Communion should motivate us to self-examination. How is my heart? How is my life? How is my conduct? How is my attitude? It's a time to to take stock, to acknowledge, to confess, and to repent of sin. Notice, though, the goal is for Christians to partake. Often we say, well, I sinned last night, so I can't take communion. Verse 28 says, let a person examine himself, do that work, and then take of the bread and drink of the cup. The goal is to partake. So, so take the time, yes, and to acknowledge and to confess so that you can celebrate. That, that's the point. Do this in remembrance of me. Not don't do this if you have sin in your life. Everybody has sin in their life. For the rest of your life, we're gonna have sin in our life. Confess the sin in your life so that you can participate. I think of uh, the movie The Lion King. Uh, the, the original one. The good one. I just, oh, I just stirred up division. Sorry. Um, I think we all agree, though. Uh, anyways. Simba runs away from his identity and his new responsibilities as, as the king. And he goes and he hangs out with Timon and Pumbaa in the jungle and sings Hakuna Matata, the worst worldview there ever was. Um, we'll talk more about that another time. But... When he is powerfully reminded of the truth of who he is and who he's been called to be, he's motivated afresh to live out that truth and to live out that calling. And then he goes and he returns as king. And, and, and just like Simba, we need to be reminded of the truth of the gospel and of the identity and the calling that we've received. Communion is meant to be one of those powerful gospel reminders that encourages and motivates us to live out the truth, to live out our calling, which is now to honor and, and serve the Lord. We should be motivated to, to serve the Lord. Community should motivate us to serve the Lord now. Listen to how uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14, describes the gospel and our response to it. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Gospel, okay? Response now, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works? Read Titus more often. (laughs) What a passage! Did you catch the response to the gospel in there? Renounce ungodliness. Self-controlled lives, upright lives, people now who are the possession of Jesus, who are now zealous for or, or passionate or devoted to good works while we wait for Jesus to return. See, when we celebrate communion together, we remember the grace of God, we should be motivated to serve God to confess and resist sin and to understand what we're to be about. And Titus 11, or chapter 2, 11 to 14 reminds us what we're supposed to be about, the kinds of things that, that we should be pursuing. It's just put kind of some spiritual gas into our tanks so we can go in the direction that God wants us to go. Jesus gave up his life to give me... New life. I was lost and I was dead. Now I'm found. Now I'm alive. Now I'm forgiven. And now I'm free to live in a way that gives him glory. And like we said at the start, and we are forgetful people. We forget all kinds of things. Again, within an hour, 56% of this worship service may be totally forgotten by most of you. And that's okay. As long as you don't forget Jesus. Don't forget Jesus. You need to remember Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us as we celebrate communion because it should humble us, it should comfort us, it should unite us, and it should motivate us to remember that Jesus died for you and for me. And he died to set us free, to reconcile us to God. May that truth remind us to live for his glory every single day, and may that truth encourage us to celebrate communion in a worthy manner as a family today. Let's pray together. Father God, we are humbled when we think about the sacrifice of your son We think about our sin and our great need for a Savior. We are humbled that you would send Jesus, your Son, to bring us into your family. Thank you for loving us like no one else ever has or ever will. We may never fully understand the depths of your love. But you would do this for us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we celebrate communion today, that we would celebrate in a worthy manner with our eyes fixed on you, that we would confess sin and claim the forgiveness that is available in your son. Humble us. Comfort us, unite us, motivate us, all for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.